0: Oh, that's so good! Now Stephanie talked about y'all inviting people. I, I want to tag on to that and talk to you about. <laughs> it's okay. It's the baby. <laughs> it's okay. No, I'm kidding. That's funny. <laughs> oh, how many know we're gonna have a good time watching Stephanie over the next four or five months? Amen. That's wonderful. But no, I do want to say something. She talked about inviting folk. I want to talk to you about serving. And so there's always opportunity on Christmas Eve to serve. We have three services. One nice thing about it, when you volunteer, you get a special shirt as a gift from us for volunteering for Christmas Eve because we know it's a sacrifice. And so go out, sign up, get online, go sign up for at least one service that you're going to serve in or a couple services and be a part of that, amen? Amen. Another thing I want to give you, an announcement toward is um, we're not doing service next week. So you can come. We won't be here. Okay. So if if you come, praise the Lord, just pray. But but here's the thing. We're not doing service. But um, what I want to encourage you to do over the 23rd and the 30th, be faithful in your giving. Amen man we have push pay you can give online you can give through the mail and um and again just just continue to stay faithful you know and I, i'm kind of just be really candid as a lead pastor when you say we're not doing services for two Sundays i get the heebie jeebies <laughs> But my God is a provider, Amen. He's just going to provide through you. So, <laughs> so fine push pay, you know. Just continue to you stay faithful in your normal in your normal giving. That's all. Just in your normal giving. Another thing I want to promote now is because normally we'll have a service in Sunday and in, in, in the new year where I can kind of promote our our three week fast, our annual fast at the beginning of the year on a Sunday. Then the next Sunday I can tell you about it, and then Monday we begin. Well, this year the way that fall, we'll be ministering on the 6th, starting a new series called the, the Theology of More. I cannot wait to drop this on us as a church. And a lot of times you think of more, you're like, oh, I don't have more. I get that. It's not about that. It's about capacity. Amen? And about us receiving an increasing capacity for what God wants to do in us. That's, that's what I'm excited about teaching on. But here's the thing: that's on the 6th, and on the 7th, the very next day, we go into our fast. So I want to tell you now, that way you can begin to prepare. Put it on the calendar from the 7th of January to the 27th. That's a Sunday or a Monday to a Sunday. Um, we'll have our three-week time of fasting that we always do around here. We'll talk more about that. I like that fast. <laughs> Man, me and Jesus and McDonald's, come, no, no, you can fast food, you can fast TV, Facebook, but, but we always say to fast something with eating, that way all of us, at least something, a meal or, or a type of food, so all of us are feeling some sort of a hunger pang as a body together, setting our year up as we put focus on what God wants to do, and um, another thing we're going to do this year, we've never done, and I'm telling you now, so you can get on your calendar, we're going to have a sacred gathering at the end. OK, so the 25th, 26th and 27th, that Friday, Saturday and Sunday morning and Sunday night will be a sacred gathering. I don't know what you call it. I love to call it a revival. That's up to God, you know, but I'm going to have our hearts ready. Amen. And so this whole series this month of worship is just getting our hearts ready. The whole month of January is just getting our hearts ready. And I believe God wants to, to, to move on us in his power and his might. And he wants to set us up for 2019 for what he desires to do with us. And so on the backside of our fast this year, we will spend time together over those, those three days just, just in his presence. Amen? Amen? I'm excited about it. So I want you to open your Bibles this morning. This is our third week in our Behold series, and open your Bibles to Matthew, Matthew chapter two. Let's open to Matthew chapter two. In the past few weeks, a little different kind of a Christmas series than we're used to. I love to preach warm and preach fuzzy all during Christmas time. You know, I love that. But I've been wanting to look at what does it look like to have a correct response to Jesus? And that response that we have to Jesus is our worship. You know, um, when it comes down to the idea of worship, it is that thing that we do toward those things that we value that becomes our worship. And over the last few weeks, we've been looking at, at, at Mary's response to worship. We, we looked at the shepherd's response to worship. Today, we're gonna look at the wise man's response to worship. And um, what does it look like to have a correct response to Jesus showing up? Because every one of those, the behold, was the fact that Jesus was showing up. For Mary, behold, you will be, and the power of the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and you will have this child, and he will be the Son of God. And she says, her response was, may it be unto me according to your word. Everybody say that. Say, may it be unto me according to your word. Man, that's a great place to start as a Christian, especially. If, if you're here kicking the tires on faith and you're not sure about all the things of Jesus, I get that. But for those of us in the room that are, are Christ followers, we are Christ followers, Right? Followers were those that look at him as our leader. And so with that, when she said that, I have a desire, I have a will, but I submit that to you. May it be unto you according to your will, according to your word. And that was Mary's response. And so it wasn't about singing on Sunday. It was about submission on Monday, if you will. It was about living that daily lifestyle in response to what God is speaking to us. And when we do that, that is worship. <coughs> Last week, we began to look at the shepherds and how the shepherds' response to the word from the angels, they came and they said, over in Bethlehem, there's this child that's going to be born, you know the story, swaddling clothes and all, and go. And what did they do? The Bible says, they said, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. In other words, their response in hearing about Jesus was to pursue the person of Jesus. That's worship. Not being satisfied just hearing about something, but going after God. Not being satisfied with saying, Well, God, I know who you are. No, God, I wanna know everything about you. I wanna go after you. That's an expression of worship. It's that expression that says, Let's go see for ourselves. And it's something that gets ingrained in us that we carry back to work, and we carry back to play, and we carry back into our lives. Just like the shepherds, after they saw Jesus, they carried back into their lives worship and praise. They continue glorifying the Lord for what they had seen. I don't believe those shepherds were ever the same after that. I really don't. And then the final thing that we're going to look at today is the wise men's response of worship. And so let's stand to our feet. Matthew 2. Let's get on to our feet. If you're a guest with us, we like to stand to our feet in honor of the Word of God, the first time that we read the Word of God on a given Sunday. This is a little bit of a lengthy passage, so I'll go really, really slow. (laughs) All right. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, everybody say, Behold! wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we who saw his star when it rose have come to worship him. We have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him, and assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And they told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. This is key later on in this talk today. Think of that. Who's gonna come to you as a ruler, a ruler who's gonna shepherd God's people Israel. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down, and they worshiped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They offered him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed their own way by another way to to another country. Worship is the expression, we're going to look here, of the value that we put in a person or thing, it's that expression of our value in the person or thing or that we put in the thing that we trust in. That's our worship, all right? And so, Lord, over the next few minutes, would you help us be able to get a good picture of what we value in our lives? Would you just, just clear away the, 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 the lies we tell ourselves? Lord, clear away any presumption that we might have. God, I ask that over the next 25 minutes that you would just begin to speak into our hearts, Lord God, in such a way that we will be challenged in our worship to you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Go ahead and have your seat. These wise men, some say they came as little as 400 miles away. Some say it could have been upwards of six, seven, eight hundred 800 miles away. But it was quite a journey for them. And with them coming to worship Jesus, we can see there was some sacrifice that was mingled in with their activity to come worship. They could not have worshiped without sacrifice. Some of the sacrifice that they had, obviously, was that time that they spent traveling, the wear and tear on their automobiles, you know. All those kinds of things, they had to come all that way. And and then the other sacrifice, which is obvious, is the gifts that they brought. They brought appropriate gifts. Everybody say appropriate gifts. Yeah, they brought gifts for a king. They brought gifts for a priest. They brought gifts for a prophet. When it came down to these gifts, that gift of gold was in the ancient world always a symbolic thing that you would bring to a king or you would give to a deity, that little g, you know, little gods. But that idea of gold symbolized the kingship of Jesus. Frankincense was something that would be taken down and reduced into perfume or it was reduced into incense and burned. And it speaks... Of the priestly gift that came to Jesus because he is a great high priest. He's our mediator, Jesus is, between God and and man. Again, looking at these gifts should remind us of a reason why we praise Jesus. Amen. It reminds us of, like, last week wonderful counselor, mighty God, etc. And then the myrrh was something that often would be used in, in prophetic ministry, and it would be something that would be applied upon the prophet when he was anointed. It was something that would be used in death. So it speaks of things that are in the future. Jesus had myrrh upon him when he was embalmed, or not embalmed, but when he was um, 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 anointed, when he was placed in the tomb. you know. And so myrrh is a representation of a prophetic thing. It's the anointing of Christ. That's upon the office of him as prophet, this anointing that was upon Jesus. And so we have gold, we have frankincense, and we have myrrh. Those are the offerings. Everybody say the offerings. That were brought. That was the expression of value in this baby that was brought by The wise men, when they traveled so far, it was an expression of their worth. It was an expression of their value. What they looked at when they saw this baby, what did this baby warrant? This baby warranted offerings of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Amen? Everybody say their worship elicited an offering. Oh, no. It's a money sermon. Hold on. No, it's a sermon on worship is what it is. But hold on. Because I do think when it comes to those things that we treasure, we've got to realize those things that we treasure are an expression of our worship. Worship, I told you the first week, worth-ship, the old English word for worship, where it came from is value, worth. What is something valued to you? And it's an expression of how much we value that. That's what we apply to that. And so here we see wise men coming from afar, bringing the sacrifice of travel, bringing the sacrifice of offerings because they came to, and the scripture said it, they came to worship him amen here's what's wild watch this in Matthew chapter 6 24 it says no one can serve and some translations will say worship those will be interchangeable no one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or else he'll be loyal to the one and despise the other now watch this You cannot serve or you cannot worship God and mammon. Well, thank God, because I don't have much mammon, right? Mammon. Everybody say mammon. What in the world is mammon? What in the world? but we can see a couple things here. There's kind of two things that we're picturing here, okay? So um, I want to walk through this a little bit, just kind of slow and get us into this. So when it comes to the idea of mammon, that was a word that meant the God of material things. It meant material things, okay? And, and, And in the medieval age, they begin to attribute qualities of personification or deity upon this God, mammon. That's why some translations, you'll see it with a capital M. It's personifying it. It's saying it's almost like a God. God, you know, and in the medieval times, it was the picture of the God of avarice or the God of greed. You know, avarice being the, 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 the desire to gain wealth and material things over anything else. That's what avarice is and, and kind of a, an expression of, of greed. And so this idea of mammon, no one can worship God and mammon. You're either going to love one and hate the other or vice versa. No one can serve two masters And as I began to look at this, I saw two things and one thing, all right? So say two things and one thing, all right? So here's here's what I saw, a line of dichotomous demarcation. Well, that's fun to say. I will say it again. There is a line in the scripture of dichotomous demarcation. What's demarcation? Demarcation is a boundary, okay? So there's a line. There's a boundary between two things here. And we see the love of God. We see the love of money, okay? So God's on one side. Mammon's on the other. There's a line of dichotomous. What do you mean by the dichotomous part of that? Well, a dichotomy is the relationship of two things in contrast to each other. It's the differencing of two things. It's not Demarcation can just mean that this is like this and there's a line between them. But dichotomous demarcation means that this thing ain't like that thing. All right? And so there's a two things here, and there's a one thing here. The one thing is worship. The two things are money or mammon, material things, and God. This is huge. This is just something the Lord really began to show me as I was reading this passage of Scripture. This division, this contrast between the things of God, the things of this world. And the thing that's crazy about this verse is there's only one kind of worship. There's only one. Worship, like I said, it's that thing that we express our value in in the person or the thing that we put our trust in. Worship is one thing. But where does our worship go? That's the two things. Okay? So don't, don't miss this. So that serving or that worship, it's the action is the same. It's the same thing. You can, you can worship God, you can worship mammon, but worship is the same. It's an expression of value. What difference is here is the object receiving that worship, and in one part of the scripture, it is that of God and is that of mammon. And it's so strong that it says that you will hate one and love the other, or you'll be loyal to one and you'll despise the other because you cannot serve God and mammon. Aren't you glad you came here this Christmas Sunday? All right. Here's what the Lord began to show me in this whole story, though. There are also two dichotomous sets of characters in this narrative. So, as you look at the scripture, there are two dichotomous sets. There's the wise men and there's Herod. And there's a contrast, if you will, between the wise men's worship and Herod's worship. Watch this Matthew chapter 2, 1 through 2, and verse 7 and 8. Behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and we've come to worship him. Do you see that? Where is this king of the Jews? We have come to worship him. We know in the story what they brought with their worship. Now watch verse seven, because like I said, there's two different sets of characters here. In verse seven, we see this. Then Herod summoned his wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem saying, go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come. Everybody read that last part with me and worship him. Do you see that? So we see two different people looking to worship Jesus. We see two different people looking to worship in two different ways, two different sets of actions, two different things, but they're both called they're both called worship. And I know you're going to say but pastor it was a ruse. I think it's more than a ruse. I'm going to get there here in a second. I think it's more I think there's a deep insidious thing behind this, and it's more than a ruse. And I think when we leave here today, we'll never look at this idea of worship and our generosity ever the same in Jesus' name. Amen? And you know what? And it might be a different kind of Christmas Christmas sermon, but I'm going to tell you right now, it's the best Christmas gift I will ever give this body. Amen? If I can help you to get a picture of what this looks like in worship, I'm telling you right now, you will thank me four years, five years down the road saying, thank you, pastor, for helping me to get a picture of what worship really looks like. Amen? It's the best gift I can give you. It's the only gift I'm going to give you. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. (laughs) That and a t-shirt if you'll come and volunteer. Okay, so. (laughs) So now, when it comes to this this, this dichotomy of characters, let's look at the wise men. When it came to the wise men, the wise men submitted their resources. They had time involved. They had talents involved. They had treasure involved. The time was the travel. The talents was the wisdom to be able to see the stars, to read the heavens, and to be able to move forth as wise men to Bethlehem. There was talent involved. The treasure, we just spoke of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. That is an expression of their hearts. And why do they do this? Because they were looking for this one who was born, everybody shout, king. King. They were looking for the one who was born king of the Jews. For them, when they heard that he is king, it listed within them a response that they had to travel to see this king. Man, it's not good enough to hear. I got to see it for myself. They had to travel. They they heard he was king. And that means he's Lord. And man, that means I need to be with him. That means I need to see this for myself. I need to get there for myself. Because, everybody say again, because he was king. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, Herod on the other side, looking in contrast here between the wise men's worship and Herod's worship, Herod, he didn't even want to take a chance that his life as he desired it could be put at risk by the baby who was being proclaimed to be king of kings and lord of lords. Why? Because Herod, under Roman institution, was placed as king of Judea. He was the king of that region. Had his his fortress, had his money, had his minions— had everything that you could ever want. Didn't have the heart of the people in some ways, you know. But it was one of those things. This is a man who had been flowing down from the, the Maccabean generation. Those who had claimed back the temple. It was amazing, this, this, this lineage of this fellow. But he had pushed away from his lineage. He had pushed away from being one that practiced his, 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 his religion toward God correctly. And all he could think about was, this is going to mess up my life. This is going to put a a dent in my desires. This is going to ding my wishes. This is something that's going to affect me. So with it, he is talking, bring this child to me that I might worship him. Bring this child. He was the king. Amen. So one group is going to worship the king of kings and lord of lords, submitting to that kingship, bringing gifts, warranting a king but also a prophet and a priest. The other man, man, he is in the station of a king. I am on the rulership of this city, this country, this this region. I'm 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 just like us at times. We're in the rulership of our own hearts. We sit on the throne of our will and our desires, and that's the place meant for Jesus. So this story, it portrays worship. It does. It portrays worship by both protagonists, the the wise men, and it portrays worship by our antagonist in the story, Herod. But both are worshipers. And I'd never seen that before, and I was reading through the Scripture, and all I could think of was, oh, my gosh, everything that they're moving into is an expression of the value they put on that baby and the value they put on their desires for their life. Both the wise men and Herod both were worshipers. Amen? I want you to be able to see that. I don't want you to miss that. All right? Remember in our first week of the series, I said that things are birthed out of the womb of the worshiper. Remember I said that? That God wants to do things in your family, and God wants to do things in your church, and God wants to do things in your city, etc. And he burst that through the womb of his bride. His bride is the church. That's you. He's, he's the groom, we're the bride. That's a beautiful picture. I know it's different for us guys, you know? Years ago in Ohio, we had this big guy we called Plowboy. He sent, went to heaven and always wore bib overhauls, and he would come up to me every Mother's Day. And the first Mother's Day, he came up to me, he looked at me, and I didn't know what to say. He wanted his flower. I'm like, you're not, you're not a white woman. And I looked at him, I said, here. And he goes, well, thank you. And I said, well, you're the ugliest mother I've ever seen. <laughs> If for like the next 10 years of being in that church, every year, big old Fred Fowdy Plowboy would come up for his flower and I'd have to think of some other, another mother thing. You know, No, us men, it's a weird thing for us to think that we have a womb, but spiritually, God will birth things in us. He will birth things through a worshiper. He'll birth things through one who says, you are king of my life and I will submit to your leadership. And here we see another picture of that. Like I said with Mary, she said, may it be unto me according to your word. And God began to do a thing that literally within her became... The son of the living God. That, that, that became the one who would be born a babe, raised a man. Man, die on a cross, raised three days later. and He's coming back for us. I don't know about you all. I kind of hope soon, you know. I wouldn't, mind, I wouldn't mind seeing maybe one of mine get married and a couple grandbabies maybe. But I got three girls. So if the Lord comes after that, I'm happy because I, I don't have to pay for one wedding. <laughs> no. <laughs> Oh come Lord Jesus quickly come. <laughs> but But Mary showed us that the shepherds showed us this idea of value God began to do. What Jesus was doing God pressed them, pulled them, drew them from their hearts because of worship toward what Jesus was doing, be toward what God was doing. What I want to look at now if that's the case if a womb brings forth Fruit, if a woman brings forth what God's birthing, what was the fruit of the worship of the wise men? The fruit. In Matthew 2, 13 through 15, watch what it says. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother, and flee to Egypt, and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he arose and he took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet out of Egypt. I called my son. I want you to see here that the expression of worship when it came to the the, the wise men, man, they sowed into this family, if you will. Jesus' mother, father, Jesus, they sowed into that family And and I want you to see something else about this. Watch this. The wise men um, um, had a sacrifice, didn't they? They had to have a sacrifice to travel, to give the gifts. It was a sacrifice. Can I tell you also, Herod was prepared to mingle sacrifice with his worship. Don't miss this. Herod was prepared to mingle sacrifice with his worship also. Because Herod said this, bring the child that I might worship him. So what was the fruit of Herod's worship? What's the fruit of Herod's worship? I'll tell you, Matthew 2, verse 16. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, he became furious. And he sent and he killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all that region who were two years old or under, according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping and loud lamentations. Rachel, basically the the mother of the Jewish people, the Israelite nation, Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be comfort because they were no more. Do you see that? There was worship that took place. Bring that child to me so that I might worship him. Herod had planned to do what to Jesus? Kill him. Why? Why? Because a sacrifice always follows worship. You don't have worship without sacrifice. And as I began to see this, I thought, oh my word, Herod was a worshiper. You have the wise men on one side of this dichotomous demarcation, and you have Herod on the other. On one side, you see the gifts that came that brought life. You saw Jesus continuing to live and being able to be propelled forward. On the other side, you saw Herod go into a mad and killed, continued with this idea of bringing death, and he brought his sacrifice and killed off all these children. On one side, you see gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They literally propelled the ministry of Jesus forward. Do you know that? What financed this carpenter, a carpenter, from Nazareth what financed his flight into Egypt and until Jesus was old enough until Herod died until they could come back into the land what financed it i really believe it was the gold the frankincense and the myrrh it propelled literally the work of the lord forward but in contrast in contrast on the other side you see what Herod's worship did it robbed the land of a generation it robbed the land of all these young males I really believe in my heart when it comes to our expressions of worship, when it comes to to ministry and sowing into what God is doing, we can propel God's ministry forward. We can rob the next generation of what God desires to do in them. Amen? Both are expressions of worship. Listen, to express worship, something has to live and something has to die or it's not worship. Something has to live, something has to die. Well, it's not worship? Well, I thought worship was just about singing. Can you see how much it's how much more? That idea of singing on Sunday and then having to submit on Monday. What do you have to submit to? What has to die for you to live according to His will on Monday? What desire? What interest? What 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 what? I'm not saying that we shouldn't have passions, but what passion that's not submitted to the Lord that He puts His thumb on and says, "No, no, no, that you need to run away from that." That's a death, isn't it? That's a dying in a sense. It's it's laying up this thing on the altar of God, saying, God, that's a sacrifice I give to you. Old Testament worship was always tied to sacrifice, literal sacrifice. Guess what? Under grace and the New Testament, our worship is still tied to sacrifice. It's a principle. Something has to live. Something has to die if it's called worship. Amen? Amen. So my question to you as we go into Christmas here is, how can we experience the miracle that Jesus is and live like he's not? How can we do that? For us to be true worshipers, what has to live in our lives and what needs to be placed on the altar to die? I want to ask you that. And for you, I don't know what that might be, but we know scripture teaches us that we're to bring a sacrifice of praise. Praise, worship, it always links in with sacrifice it always links in with something having to die today you're here in church you know some call this a worship service because we do worship but you had to let something die this morning you know you could have done something else today but you said no I sacrificed that to be here it's that way with everything when it comes to worship value one thing on this side of the line over the other thing on this side of the line There's always a dichotomous demarcation between what God has for us and what the enemy has for us. And we have a choice. It's not an easy choice. To express worship, something has to live and something has to die. Listen, if he is and we are his people... That a response to him that doesn't include sacrificial giving is at best the lack of worship or at worst a testament to the fact that we worship lesser gods more than the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who is Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. That's a heavy, strong word, but it's the truth. Now, that sacrifice comes not just in finances, amen. It comes in time, it comes in talent, it comes in treasure. But a lot of times I think people will say, hey, I give time, I give talents, my treasure's mine. Even the widow with only her mites, her little widow's mite, man, she knew for her it had to affect her finances. So yes, I want you to give up time. Yes, I want you to give up talent. But I think in our um, um culture money really hits our heart you know it does and I want to challenge us as Christ followers to be disciplined in our giving and and I heard recently I love what Dave Ramsey said he said don't teach people to tithe if you don't teach them to live their life in stewardship first and I'm going to go off that I understand I get that the idea of a 10% tithe man that's very difficult I get that but many do it we many of us do it here But I want to get you started. Amen? Let's get you started. Sacrificial giving of something needs to be a regular part of your lifestyle. And if you can look back over this year, 2018, and say to yourself, you know what? I can see what I've given to the work of the Lord, what I've given to missions, what I've given away from myself. That is no expression. But I believe we need to That's tough. It's a tough thing to ask of ourselves, but I believe we need to ask that of ourselves. Listen to me, I have not come to rebuke those who have not. Amen? I have not come to rebuke those who have not, but I have come to challenge those who will not. Can I say that again? I'm not gonna rebuke you if you don't have, I'm not. But I will challenge you if you will not. And I just do that out of a place that's how I've lived my whole life. From 10 years old on, I've been a tither and um, just never have backed down from it. There was times when Amy and I didn't know where our next meal would come from. And if I got a $20 bill, God got two. I'm not saying that to brag on us. I'm just saying that's, I don't know how to live any other way. I've known the principle of this. I think this scripture, this word I'm preaching today all my life, I think, just kind of intrinsically. But I never saw it until a month and a half ago when I started looking at the scripture. And I thought, oh my goodness, Herod is a worshiper. It's just the expression of his worship ends in death. Could, could it be that the heart of Herod's worship his his object of his affection? Could it be that literally it was the spirit, if you will, of Mammon? Literally a demonic presence that he's choosing to value over the life of Jesus? Could it be? I'll let that rest on us. I, I know the word Mammon means greed know that is it a demon i think at times it can be a stronghold in our lives amen for sure and so i'll just say it this way if your relationship with god hasn't touched your finances yet then the worship of god hasn't touched your heart it hasn't for us to be true worshipers what needs to live in our lives today and what needs to be placed on the altar today what is that now, let me go back to all, all things as we close this series. For some of you here, what needs to live, there may be something that you need to start. For some of you, what needs to die, it may be a relationship that needs to end. You know? For some of you, it is the giving thing. You look back over your course of this year and you go, man, I know what I made. And man, this is what I gave. I debated saying this, but I'm going to say, I asked Pastor... Brantley our executive pastor just look at the membership don't tell me who just look at the membership as far as running our query our our, our, our computers will let us run a query everybody's getting real nervous right now I just said that you're like man my, I just drew my shorts up <laughs> no I'm sorry you guys are not, you're too holy you're too holy and I just said just just let me know is there members that haven't given anything don't tell me who I just want to know are there members that haven't given anything blew my mind when he said handfuls, handfuls, handfuls of members. That's a Christ follower, that's somebody who, as a member, you're supposed to serve, you're supposed to give, you know what I mean. Not a dime. Blows my mind. And it's not because we need your money. We're doing quite alright. Amen? It just blew my mind. Not a dime. And if, you, if that's set heavy on you because you're that person, it should set heavy upon you. It should. But pastor, I give so many other places. Okay, I'm so glad you give so many other places. The ministries that we do here, the 15 missionaries that we support, they're not worth sowing into. But pastor, when I give this way, I know I can control the finances. Exactly. Exactly. waitress a hundred dollar tip yeah and when you walked away she was like wow that guy's amazing Man, what do we do when it's all of us together just sowing into this kingdom and nobody gets credit but jesus ross doesn't get credit momentum doesn't get credit it's just jesus it's his house it's his church amen all right, Lord, we've been beat up enough. Let me just say one more time. For us to be true worshipers, what needs to live in our lives or what needs to be placed on the altar to die? I believe both the wise men and Herod, they were worshiping. One worshiped unto life, one worshiped unto death. One propelled ministry, one killed off a generation from knowing. Both were expressions of what they put value in. I want to challenge us to put value in what is important. Amen? Amen. Can you give God some praise in here? Amen. 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 And I'll tell you right now, he inhabits the praises of his people. And you want him to inhabit your finances? You want him to dwell up in your finances? You be generous. Amen? Amen. A cheerful heart reap spiritually, those who so bountifully reap bountifully. It sounds like God gets involved in the praises of his people. Amen. Amen. God is good. One last thing I want to promote to you is um, for you to invite guests for Christmas Eve. As you go out the church today, please, we've packaged them up in nice little packages of three cards um, in the baskets. I want the baskets empty, amen? This is our last Sunday together. The baskets need to be empty. I want you to grab a pack of three cards and invite a friend to come here for Christmas Eve, amen? And I want us to stand to our feet and just join in prayer together right now for God to anoint us as we invite our friends. Father, these cards that we'll be taking, I ask in the name of Jesus that you will use those cards, Lord, in such a powerful way that as we invite people, there'll be a drawing. And it's not a drawing that is something that is, is um, natural. There'll be a supernatural drawing that's just connected with our invite, that they would just see Jesus and sense Jesus, a sense of a drawing of the Holy Spirit, and that that day when they come, the word will just be over them, God, and give them a sense of knowing without a doubt that you are near. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Fuel for the Journey. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.